Burnout is an issue that affects all veterinary professionals. And this week, we're going to talk to a veterinarian who has done some groundbreaking research to explain why we're feeling burnout, who's feeling more burnout than others, and what we can do to avoid it. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And without a doubt, our profession faces a crisis of burnout. And this leads to so many complications, but most importantly, it leads to destroyed and dis just damaged lives. And so this week, we're going to have an expert on burnout, a person who's done some really revelatory research and it's going to explain who's most at risk for burnout, what are some of the contributors to burnout, how you can know if one of your colleagues or even yourself is experiencing burnout, and most importantly, how we can solve this problem. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Viewfinders, this week we've got Dr. Ivan Zak with us, and he is the former CEO of uh, SmartFlow, the founder over there. You might be familiar with that wonderful product, but now he's working with veterinarians to help them improve their management, their leadership, uh, just success in life. And he has a company called Veterinary Integration Solutions, which we'll talk more about that. But what what really drew us to have this conversation today was he recently completed his MBA dissertation, and he did some very interesting and revealing research on burnout. And so he's going to talk to us about what people are now calling the burnout survey, uh, and he's going to tell you a little bit about what he's learned and what he thinks would help us all. So thank you, Dr. Ivan Zak, for joining us today. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and Ivan, uh, before we get started, obviously, um, just uh, I, I love this. Uh, Dr. Ivan Zak, as you will see very clearly or hear very clearly, he has an accent. Tell us a little bit about uh, your name, Ivan Zak, and a little bit about your backstory because I think it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, uh, <clears throat> I didn't know I have an accent, uh, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, my, my full last name is uh, Zak Karinkoff. And, uh, and when we started with SmartFlow and I transitioned from, you know, first of all, that's a problem in the hospital. When people are trying to call you Dr. Zach Karinkoff, that becomes very complicated. <laughs> but then after that, when we started SmartFlow, I started doing marketing. And, um, and, I, and I just thought maybe it's as difficult as pronouncing as uh, trusting an email from some Zach Karinkoff guy if you're sending marketing. So, so I actually sent two and a half thousand email uh, campaign and did the A-B testing on it. I sent half of it to with Ivan Zach and half of it with Zach Karinkoff. And 17% less people wanted to open my uh, full last name. So wow. uh, I think that uh, th that's when I just said, okay, I'll just transition to Zach. <laughs> and that's how I used uh, probably experimentation and marketing to understand uh, uh, why I should be Zach. Wow. And, you know, this is exactly what I expect from you, Ivan. Uh, <laughs> many of you are probably familiar with his podcast, the Veterinary Innovation Podcast. Becky and I have both been featured over there. And so we're super happy to bring him here, obviously, in a very different context. But Ivan, uh, so you're originally from Ukraine, but now you live uh, closer to us. That's correct. Um, I am. Uh, I'm now in Canada. Um, I, I kind of went back and forth a couple of times because I built several teams in in Ukraine. But I have been in Canada for 17 years. Went to vet school here, and now I'm on the East Coast, pretty close to U.S. Yeah, border. Right. And you have a new baby. Congratulations. 
Thank you. I do. She was a COVID baby. She was born <laughs> seven days after the lockdown in Ukraine. It was a full jumpsuit sort of, uh, uh, and uh, it, it was an interesting experience. Wow. Okay. Well, listen, we, we're super delighted to have you here, but I think one of the things that you recognized in the profession, and you've got a global perspective, uh, is the issue of burnout. So explain to us a little bit about how you developed this burnout survey, you know, what, what you were doing when you did it, and sort of let's, let's get into that whole burnout discussion. Yeah, so uh, the idea came uh, from my uh, my MBA. So I, I did an MBA recently in uh, international uh, healthcare management, and I was looking for the topics that I would be passionate about. I didn't want to write something that I spent you know half a year collecting information about, then submitted some professor uh, you know graded uh, F, and and it will be thrown away. <laughs> right. So so I wanted to be passionate about, and uh, and one of the things that happened through my veterinary career, I, I burned out. I, when I was working uh, emergency, I decided that I'll do locums as well uh, to have that lifestyle of whenever I want to have weekends. And as many of us, I uh, ended up not having any. Um, and it, it spiraled into a pretty dark place, which, which I ended up actually stopping to work for over, over half a year and just reconsider a lot of things, considering not coming back to vet medicine. So, so that was the topic. And then the other thing that I was interested in um, is just a general efficiency uh, in the veterinary hospitals and organizations. And, uh, and, I, and I thought, is there a business path to decreasing the burnout issue in our domain rather than looking into self-care and into resilience training and talking to people about how they need to be resistant rather than how we need to be more proactive in creating the environment where people don't burn out. So that was sort of the background. One thing I kind of want to stop and jump in here is I think there's a lot of confusion just around the term burnout. Burnout versus compassion fatigue versus ethical fatigue. I mean, there's so um, there's so much terminology. So can we just like define what we think burnout is and, and how that differs from compassion fatigue, or if it does? Yeah, there's there's so those are yeah those are two distinct different terms, and and I by no any stretch I'm I'm as glorious specialist in this as Ernie introduced me. I'm more sort of a wondering generality <laughs> who burned out myself but but mary holowachuk who i think uh, sh uh she actually defined it for me on our podcast and and i'll review what she told me about it so the burnout is sort of the emotional ex exhaustion uh deep personalization from clients and pets cynicism low sense of personal accomplishment um and it does not translate into personal life the compassion fatigue comes from repeated episodes of moral stress that build up, take the moral energy uh, to care for patients and clients. And that actually does transition into personal life and, uh, and outside of work environment. So it's similar to PTSD state for, you know, for the war veterans and things like that. And I really appreciate you making that distinction because I think there is confusion. At the end of the day, Ivan, quite frankly, both of them lead to misery. You know? so, exactly. And, and people yeah. are very unhappy with their profession. So, so okay, so you're doing the MBA. You're finding, you know, you're looking at all these lean management processes, trying to help people be more efficient. You stumble into what you believe is an obstacle, which is burnout, I'm assuming. Is that sort of the flow that happened? 
Yeah, well, you know, when 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 we came up with this smart flow concept, we first replaced just the cage card, the you know, the flow sheet. And that's where the name came from. It wasn't fancy. Now that I'm so excited about the flow states and the book that you introduced me to <laughs> on stealing fire, uh, now I'm happy that my previous project was called Smart Flow. Yeah. But it was all about the flow sheet, really. And then when we started to expand, we started optimizing the whole workflow throughout the veterinary hospitals, and I bumped into lean. And I thought I discovered something myself and it was so <laughs> great. And then I realized it's been used for decades in you right. know, car production and all other industries. But I started to study it and see whether I can bring more into it. And then I realized that when people get, and actually that's when I did bump into the flow states and, and Mikhali Csikszentmihalyi and, yep. and his study on this, that if you create the flow through work, you might be happier at work. And I thought that if you create the environment where you, where it's just easy to work, maybe there's management solutions that can make the work less stressful because there's enough stress in there. So that's sort of how I arrived to maybe connecting the business with the problem as, you know, a burnout. So you started using, there are validated surveys out there. There are ways to measure whether or not you're happy or content at work. And so explain a little bit about how the methodology, because I think that's important to, to frame this discussion around. I mean, how did you determine if people were experiencing burnout? So, um, you know, I started to search for the methods that are out there and there's an MBI index that we used in the past and they used it successfully in the, um, in the human healthcare. Right. And, and then I also started looking for the evidence of lean methodology working and some connection there. So there was sort of a two paths in my, you know, literature research, if you will. And I bumped into the organization called Catalyst and, uh, the founder who is an internal medicine specialist, Dr. John Tesson. He was the CEO of uh, Wisconsin uh, Healthcare Organization, and he implemented Lean there. He was successful, but not for too long. And then he realized there's there's something more to it. And then he created um, the he converted the methodology from the uh, car uh, industry or other industries into healthcare. And I can talk more about the principles that he discovered, but I bumped into him and without realizing how famous he is, that you know, he just replied to my email and then it was, it was amazing just to talk to the person. He got on the phone with me and I said, look, this is what I'm trying to solve. So he invited me to the conference that happens uh, once a year uh, when the conferences were out there. I went to Washington and I was amazed of what a huge movement behind it and what amazing results they have. So. One of the uh, one of the professors that were was giving a lecture was a lot about the results and it was a lot about burnout. And I talked to him. He turned out to be a professor from uh, Davis, and then he was in Stanford before. So they developed this professional fulfillment index that they uh, tested uh, compared to MBI, the traditional sort of uh, method, right. and then they. Uh, they did a research and they published it. And I got a permission from them to use it for my dissertation. So that's how I uh, arrived to this sort of professional fulfillment index methodology. And some of the questions you find are just the way it's presented. And definitely we're going to give you links in the show notes to where you can read more of Ivan's uh, research. It's like uh, questions like, during the past two weeks, I have felt emotionally exhausted at work, lacking enthusiasm at work, physically exhausted at work, a sense of dread when I think about work I have to do. I mean, so you can get the idea. He's asking for questions about how you feel about your work. So so talk to us about some of your, your findings uh, within this burnout survey. Yep. 
So there's sort of three sections, and one of them is specifically more angled towards the burnout questions, but there's also about the empathy uh, at work. So the interesting part was that uh, the veterinarians and the veterinary professionals are extremely empathetic to their patients. Uh, they are interested in helping animals and, and their you know pet, pet parents, uh, but they're extremely exhausted at work. So they are burned out, not because they hate their job. Uh, that was interesting. And then uh, the first step for me was to say, well, okay, everybody says we're burnout. You know, maybe it's a glorified one or two incidents. Do we statistically, you know, uh, register that we are? So I wanted to see if I'll take a slice of about a thousand people, can we determine that they are or are not burned out? And and we did end up uh, proving that, that they are burned out. Wow. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there, but the conclusion is not a good one, Becky. He said, okay, yeah, we did all this research and yep, you are burned out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it is important because, you know, again, like, like Dr. I, you know, I even kind of alluded to is a sense of, are we really burned out or is this um, a culture issue? You know, if I had a dollar for every time I said culture on this podcast, I could retire. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of variables in it, I guess. Um, so I, I guess I have, well, I have a million questions. One sort of what was the scope of this? Was this global United States? Um, kind of how is that executed? What kind of numbers of response did you get? And I'm, I'm just sort of interested in the demographics. Did we hear from CSRs and technicians and veterinarians or can you, can you give us a little bit of the methodology there yeah so i wanted to to uh, unbias it as much as i could so what we did uh we pushed it through all marketing channels that i could uh, uh know or understand on my marketing team i have to uh, give them a shout out uh they they uh they actually pushed the survey so we went through social media both uh, Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, and we searched for anybody who is related to veterinary profession uh, through my contact on LinkedIn contact list, which is uh, which is big. I don't remember how many it's six thousand right now, and uh, and but it's a slice of different people. It's it's from different areas and different professions. I have tons of technicians that are you know friends, uh, people in consolidation, veterinarians. But then as they enter the survey, they could pick what category they are. Um, and for the most part, it was filtering to the veterinarians and, and technicians and managers and assistants. So what we got as a result, first of all, shout out to everybody who filled out the survey. It was not a thousand. We, we stopped at 1500. It was 1457, I think, because people would just kept submitting their answers. Um, so then we took that and we sliced it by profession and we had representation from technicians, pretty strong one. I think it was about 30% veterinarians and then a mix of practice managers, uh, uh, academia, and um, just, just various sort of subsets of veterinary industry. But the most repre representatives were uh, technicians and uh, veterinarians from mostly from the English speaking countries. That's how we sliced it. Uh, so it was England, you know, Australia, uh, and for the most part, US and Canada. And then I guess my next, you know, follow up question there for that is, you know, I, well, one, I'm, I'm so glad that you had a representation, but then did you also further divide it into, I, like you had mentioned academia and practice management, but did we differentiate where they work, general practice, specialty, consolidated, to, to sort of measure who seems the most satisfied. Yeah, and well, and that was sort of the purpose because my hypothesis was that people are more burned out in consolidated. Just because from what I've seen through the lens of technology and from IDEX and just from you know my general 
you know, feel through my network. Uh, so I wanted to see, uh, are they burned out? Yes, we, we figured out that. And then if they're burned out, are they more burned out in the corporate setting rather than individual practices? Uh, so we asked them that question. And again, that was sliced through sort of um, you know, where, where do they work? So those positions, uh, they, they could select that. And then what setting do they work in? And we could not prove that they were more burned out in the corporate setting over the private practice. It was, there was subtle difference leaning more towards corporate, but when you run it through statistical analysis, it's statistically insignificant. So my whole purpose of the dissertation was sort of <laughs> You know, it wasn't, it, I did, couldn't prove what I thought I will prove. Uh, and it was more about, you know, okay, so we have these results. How do we flex those and understand those? And how do we work with these and, and further sort of steps that we want to take? Well, you know, Ivan, I, I got to tell you, I think you do have a very strong conclusion there that that makes a lot of sense to me, at least being in the profession for for 30 years or so. Uh, and that is the fact that it's really not just the location of where you work or even the structure of where you work, but it's actually the work. So, I mean, would you speak to that? Because to me, what you're finding is, okay, we didn't see a statistically significant breakout between like corporates or more burned out than independent or vice versa. What you found is that, yes, we are experiencing real validated burnout. Uh, it doesn't matter where you work. I think there's some other conclusions like that younger veterinary professionals were more likely to be burned out. But is it the work itself? Well, um, you know, those were two more findings that you just mentioned that I think were really surprising to me. And the work itself, um, you know, there, there was another there was another potential factor that, that, you know, I don't know how to interpret it because we did the study during the COVID. Right. So it was it was in June. It was. I would call by now it's early stages of COVID, and and I think that's that's another addition to it. So where they work also uh, probably right. you know a question right. whether they are in the um, in the setting where it's emergency, where there were more patients during the early days of COVID, or the curbside kicked in, or or all of those things we also didn't take into account. I guess my next question, and I'm I'm going to shock all of our listeners here and say I think this leans back to culture. Was there any <laughs> tracking of actually where they work specifically. Like I would be interested to line up the clinic names with the satisfaction surveys and the burnout surveys to say, how much does culture affect the, the burnout? And, you know, are those unicorn yeah, clinics yep. more likely to have less burned out staff because of an, of a good culture? Like, because while we have found this, like the why is still out there, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So basically, here's the list of uh, clinics that people hate to work in. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> like the, the don't go there list. You've no, been blacklisted. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> but would we have better practices and, if they were? <laughs> it was completely anonymized. We don't even know the names of people that uh, that wow. filled out the survey. And that was sort of one of the things that we said that we don't know who it is. And the software allows us to just collect the opinion without knowing their names. But yeah, we, we don't really have the slice of what you know organization, what that, that wasn't available to us. Yeah. And, you know, and Ivan, I, I'll tell you, you know, having been immersed in this topic for a long time at all different levels, uh, number one, viewfinders, just be very clear. This is not unique to veterinary profession. I mean, every profession experiences burnout. Every profession struggles with these same things. Uh, I do believe that it's disproportionate in some of the healthcare fields. But, you know, honestly, people that work at heating and air conditioning places have burnout as well. So, Ivan, I mean, let's let's be clear that, you know, anybody is susceptible to it. Having said that, it does seem to be disproportionate in certain 
clinics or environments. I, I think I'm with you, Becky. This, there is an environmental slash cultural component that lends itself towards this. One might even think it was the American war culture. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, it, it, it's not to pick, but that's exactly right. I, I think that we are, you know, um, I always go back to the super chicken situation when it comes to the veterinary industry yeah, and the right. fact that, you know, we do peck each other to death. And um, I think that burnout can come from this constant competition, this constant ethical seesaw. And again, you know, just I- immense pressure and shame in our culture. Yeah, and, and I think that one more thing that I would add to it, that you, Ernie, you're absolutely right. All the industries are burning out. I'm sure they have these issues. I think that the the, uh, the tiny twist that we have in our profession, that we have uh, access to drugs. Uh, and uh, if you burn out and then you have access to drugs, uh, you're more likely to end up in drug addiction or in suicide. So that's, I think, a big sort of concern that we have in our domain. Yeah, I think it's a huge concern. So what I think we could kind of on the back half of this podcast is now what? So we have this data. We know we're burned out. I, I certainly don't think that your survey, um, per, you know, was searching for answers. But just, you know, what's the answer here? What do you think we can do? How do we fix this? Or is it just something we settle into and and say this is going to be a constant presence and battle um, and you just kind of have to forge through? Yeah. What's the cure for burnout, Ivan? Come on. Oh, I'm also a specialist in that now. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to highlight two more things that Ernie, you mentioned them briefly, but I think they're they're confirming what a lot of people thought, and I think it highlighted it. One is uh, one is that technicians turned out in at least in in, in our survey uh, that technicians are more burned down than veterinarians, and I think that to me this is you know, uh, glorifying for the right reasons technicians was the purpose of my whole veterinary career because I could not exist without the right help. And I did a lot of locums and I always rely on them. And then now I see in this study that they're more burned out than us veterinarians. And yet I hear more about veterinarians taking care of themselves than technicians. So I think there's a huge opportunity uh, to pay attention to uh, technicians as well as veterinarians. So that's just the call out that I think is super important. And the second one that, uh, and, it, and I know that there's other studies, I already heard the feedback about this, but at least in my survey, it turned out that significantly more burned out uh, professionals that are under 30, uh, sort of early graduates, not people that are baby boomers and in that age category. So that was interesting to me that people that just started to work are more likely to burn out than those that are at sort of the end of their career. Yeah, I don't know, Ivan. I, I got to say that I think that that's probably more natural than than maybe you give it credit for. And that is the fact that you enter into this profession, you have this period of disillusionment. And I think that's, I think if you're going to burn out, often it hits you kind of early, not later. Because, you know, the people that sure. have the stick to itness, you know, kind of like <laughs> like me, like 30 years in, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a hard time relating to burnout, quite frankly, because I never experienced it for whatever reason, for a lot of reasons. Uh but all of them deliberate, I would argue. But the reality is, you know, I, I do, this is kind of what I would expect the younger. I, I think what's more interesting are to look at those people who have commiserated in their misery for 30 years, you know, like that's the people yeah. that you really want to cry for. I, I don't know, Becky, am I way off base there? Um, I don't think you're off base. I think you have a different perspective than me as a veterinarian. And I think that you, you did intentionally make your career what you wanted it to be, right? Like you weren't right. an associate veterinarian for tons of years, taking direction <laughs> and working with months. that vet 
who right. threw scalpels at your head, um, <laughs> where technicians have and do, right. and and um, you know a lot of other people do, but for you know I, I do think it's very different, and I have said this before. Um, I think technicians can move out of burnout more quickly and because we have an easier out of the field, in my opinion. We, we aren't as in debt as veterinarians. We didn't devote six years of school and most of our lives, right? Like I would argue the majority of people we talk to say, I've been a veterinarian my whole life. I cannot imagine a lifelong dream being shattered in the first three years of uh, of applying it into my own true life and then thinking, now what? I think there's embarrassment involved there. I think there's um, disappointment involved there. And I th- so I, I do think that can be the case. Additionally, Dr. Ernie, I think that there is um, less discussion and acceptance around mental health in your generation than there are in these upcoming generations that are speaking very openly about mental health and their state and their vulnerability. So I think that there are a lot of differences in these generations um, that don't really truly have to do with work satisfaction or lack thereof generationally just to say that the the older guys are happier um i think it is more a matter of awareness good point very good point all right so ivan back to you so what are some of the things that viewfinders can take home today Uh, give me just a bullet list of things that can help them avoid (laughs) yeah yeah what what list of things to do how not to burn out here's the six things to do and you're and you're okay uh so i don't i don't have that i think that what what i was trying to determine i was trying to find a comparison in the healthcare industry have they done something uh that would make people happier at work and that's sort of the first step that i took and and this conference that i mentioned before um, I realized that the, a lot of work that uh, Dr. Toussaint did in implementing lean thinking, which there's a difference between lean methodology and manufacturing lean thinking, it's really the the philosophy and the principles that they apply to it. And I can go over right, those. Right. Those that that list I have, uh, and the way they approach the uh, the management in these hospitals, just applying methodologies and say, here's the book, everybody in 300 hospitals read it and just follow it. And that's fine. Yeah. Uh, there, there has to be a philosophy or religion, if you will, behind it that, that people will believe in. And what I found uh, fascinating in lean thinking is that, uh, so here's the principles of, of uh, lean thinking in uh, healthcare and other industries. One is that lean is the attitude of continuous improvement. So you're continuously improving, you're continuously learning and, and uh, develop yourself in that environment. Uh, the second one is that lean as a methodology, it's it's promoting value creation. So it's not about management. It's not the top-down technique that someone can use. It's about creating value together. And if we bring value to our customers, to our patients, that's what it is about. Uh, the mo- One of the most important ones, it's the unity of purpose. And the reason why I wanted to research more consolidators and, and these large organizations is because they can set the core values, mission, vision, and the tone that they that they transpose through the network and the, the purpose could be you know one or at least well articulated. So that's super important. Um, the fourth principle is lean is a respect for uh, people that do the work. And that is one of the most important because I think what happens uh, during consolidation, that's where my theory or hypothesis came from is that once veterinarians sell their practice, they become disempowered and they don't realize how powerful that is. They were just running the show. They were owners of the practice. They had their team and now they left. They stayed in the building, 
but they're not the boss. And I think that's really disempowering these practice owners. And then if you look at the team, they had a leader who just became not a leader and stayed in there. It's like, it's like having, you know, a powerful person getting, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, being, being somehow disabled or something like that uh, probably experienced because they just don't see him as a leader anymore. And the leader is somewhere virtual office in another state. And I think uh, respecting people and trying to promote empowerment of people that do the actual work is super important. Wow. Yeah. The fifth principle is have uh, have the results of the work visual. So if you can measure, set the goals, achieve them, and have it visual throughout the organization, that's super important. Because if you're hitting some sort of numbers for some corporate and then someone is responsible for that and you don't understand why, which goes back to the uh, to the purpose, then it becomes, you know, you're just trying to make some more money for someone else. And, and the last principle is basically that this is a flexible regimen. So it's a direction that could be changed. So that, that's what they used in human healthcare to, to transform it. So if you find your, rewind the tape, so to speak, go back and listen. <laughs> because lean thinking, lean management, lean processes, like this has been around since really the 70s, late 70s that I'm aware of. Yeah. And, and so what, what we're finding is that it's the process it's actually having a systematic approach to these issues. That's really what builds this culture that Becky keeps leaning back on. You know, these don't have to be unicorn clinics, Ivan. I mean, you, you know, you can we can yeah. overcome burnout to a large extent. I mean, this profession, any profession is not going to be the panacea, the perfect for everyone, but we can make it a lot better. And I think it really begins with structure and process at a local level. You know, I would honestly, in this day and age, Ivan, I would exactly have the opposite hypothesis that I think some of the corporate entities are doing such a good job of bringing up mental health, health and wellness, you know, that they're really leapfrogging what independent clinics, I don't think it's too late for independent clinics to, to readdress this. But I think that honestly, right now, I'm, I'm impressed with some of the, the, the programs that are being implemented at a national level. So you know, for us, it's just really getting back to that. What is going on in your practice? Are there guardrails? Do you have a system? Do you have people that that have your back all the time? I mean, Becky, how many times do you have to say that really burnout begins in your treatment area, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, and I would argue in the parking lot um, <laughs> right, right. for a lot of our technicians as they sit and sob in their cars. Um, I love it. You're right. But, but it makes me kind of wonder, and I know we're almost out of time, Doctor Zach, but I, I'm wondering, can you? What do we do if it's not us, but it's the people around us? What do we do if we how do we recognize that burnout in other people in as management in our staffs? And in you gave us kind of the things to help, but none of those are overnight processes. And so um, because you are now an official expert on that as well, could you please just kind of give us, a, you know, what is that when we see it in other people? Well, I, I think it's going back to um, it's going back to the definitions of compassion fatigue and burnout. If you see the signs of, I remember myself clearly how I became quite cynical about the cases that I've seen. Uh, the euthanasia wasn't anymore an emotional event. It's just another, you know, it's a sixth one on the Christmas night. That's usual. Yeah. So those things, when you notice in people, those could be early signs where you know people uh, become irritated. That that those are the early signs that I think maybe you know, pointing their attention towards resources that, that articulate what the compassion fatigue and burnout is, um, I think that's important. And the other thing, again, going back to consolidators, I think what's super important for them is to, as they're acquiring practices, uh, to do the assessment, not only of their accounts and their billings and their EBITDA, also to look at the culture 
Becky, so absolutely. And uh, to see if the culture is ready for change. Because when you buy in a practice and you're dropping all this change on them, are they ready? Are they burned out as a group? Are there individuals that are burned out and need time off? So I think that uh, uh, I recently had a, we had on the podcast, Josh, uh, I, don't, I will butcher his last name, Weisman. Yeah, Josh Weisman, he's amazing. Yeah, and and I mean, he does amazing work on understanding where the, the culture is at and, and whether they have, you know, the leadership in the hospital. So I think, I think having someone like that at hand to assess the hospital where they are, I think it's super important. So do these assessments, not only on financial aspect, but also culture and processes and other things. Amen. You are preaching to the choir, but more importantly, we're now preaching to the Viewfinder family, and this is a big deal. I'm so, so thankful for uh, you, Ivan, Dr. Ivan Zach, doing this amazing research. If you want to find out more about his research and just about what he's doing, uh, go visit him at vetintegrations.com. We'll leave the the links down in the show notes below. But again, Ivan, you're doing some important work. And, and I also want to give another shout out to your podcast, the Veterinary Innovation uh, Podcast, because again, you're having some fantastic guests over there as well, uh, with the exception of perhaps myself. But regardless, you know, you're talking about uh, some of the other topics that, you know, we, we are so passionate about. Yeah, and if I'm right, we've got a, a mutual podcast coming out not too long that we had the opportunity to do with you guys. So, um, Veterinary Innovation Podcast, you guys are doing really awesome things, and, and we're excited to be uh, podcast neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that shout-out. It's uh, certainly an interesting uh, area of uh, function now being on podcasts. It's, it's a very one uh, unidirectional uh, job, but it sounds like, well, you guys definitely did an amazing job. So thank you for the shout-outs. Well, thank you, guys. So viewfinders, what do you think about Dr. Ivan Zach's research, the burnout survey? Are you experiencing burnout? Have you overcome burnout? Do you worry about burnout in your colleagues? We really want to hear from you. Are you burned out on the conversation about burnout? <laughs> you can talk to us over on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, on uh, Instagram at the same. And you can talk to Dr. Ernie on Twitter if you want to at the Viewfinder. <laughs> That's right. So again, nothing like a nice holiday burnout episode to kind of just stoke the fires of, of the spirits. <laughs> anyway, we appreciate Dr. Ivan Zach for bringing a little insight into this complicated issue, but one that we think is so important. So Viewfinders, enjoy yourself during these holidays. Whenever you're listening to this, enjoy yourself. Be safe, be smart, and avoid burnout. <laughs> Until next week, bye. 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 Yay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>